Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Have you ever felt depressed about work, only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job, and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant, and I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy, so that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could. At Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. You actually don't. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about it's a failsafe. It's written into the curse. Nothing can stop it. But like, what if it could? I'm Beth Elderkin. I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Feel like breaking a curse with the power of two? Oh, yes. Uh, which, <laughs> segueing immediately into um, oh. headlines from a different podcast. <laughs> oh. uh, we're losing a charmed one. Uh, 20 yes. years after Shannon Doherty left in season three, uh, we're losing Macy in uh, Charmed. So, yeah, the power of two prevails in all That's aspects. Right. It's a very. Um, I, I like how this landed. I was I, This is a good transition. Hi, I'm fine. <laughs> well, we are here to talk about season two, episode 22, and straight on till morning, the second half of the two-part season finale for season two of Once Upon a Time. Abby, we've... What a journey. I, I can't believe we're already at the end of season two. I can't believe we're already at Neverland. Like, this is bonkers to me. I, this season, and I know that we've kind of, we stretched it a little bit. We had a little hiatus in the middle with some guest podcasts. We did a whole thing. This season seems like it has gone on forever. I feel like we have been doing season two. Like, I feel like we blew through season one mm. so fast. Like, it, it, season one is like back in my, the parts of my brain where I've stuffed the pandemic. Like, the beginnings part of the pandemic where I'm just like, it's all one big mushy blur. But season two, I feel like season two, we've been doing this forever. And, like, I don't even believe that it's actually even over. Like, I worry there's going to be a secret, like, 23rd episode that we didn't hear about and we have to watch. I, I almost feel the opposite just because time for me is kind of just both endless and, and it's everything and nothing at the same time. Like, time does not exist. And so I just, like, like yes, I feel like it's been forever, but I also feel like it's been no time at all. But I'm excited to go into season three. Excited? I don't know if it's the right word. Uh, because uh, I'm already kind of remembering the vibes of season three and kind of remembering how dark it got, especially in the Neverland area. And I'm like, I don't know how, how I'm going to feel about this. Yes, but we do get lady villains in season three, correct? We do. So green. It's green is mean. Um, I do remember like a lot of like bushwhacking through the jungle. 
Yes. Um, but like a lot of people like trailing behind have secret t- conversations about things and then not, not going to give any spoilers, but something's happening with charming. There's a whole situation and I forgot like where a lot of this all ended. I kept guessing. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is where, Oh no, this isn't what's happening. But by the end of the episode, I went, Oh, it all crystallized season three crystallized in my brain in the last couple of seconds. I went, Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I know a big part of it for season two has been, it has been a little bit of, uh, the the scheduling has been tricky because, you know, I went into labor and had a baby and then I was on leave and oh, so and this, I I also moved recently. And so it's been a little bit of a, oh, it's been a time. But that said, I'm actually looking forward to things evening out. And Abby and I are talking about amping back up our schedule again, although nothing is definitive because... I have, after five years, I am leaving IO9. Ta-da! Woo! Uh, by the time you guys hear this, I will have already had my last day. I do have another job lined up, but I'm not really talking about it yet. Uh, suffice to say, I am taking a break from journalism for my mental health, and I'm very excited about what is next, and I can't wait to share it with you guys. Uh, but it will free me to have this creative outlet not be, like, an extension of what I already do. It's going to be a very, you know, it's, it's always been very special to me, but I feel like now, now that I'm taking a break from journalism, it's going to just be even more special. This is, this is my, this is my me time. This is Abby. This is our us time. This is it's us. all of our us time. This is us. Uh, yeah. And you're going to get like a whole new and improved Abby and Beth for season three. Uh, I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. I also recently quit my job. I am currently gainfully unemployed, and I'm going to go back to school full time. Uh, so you, you, season three is going to be wild, guys. We're going to be going through journeys together. Mm-hmm. So it's a party. It's a party. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm very excited. But like, like I said, I I feel like we've been doing season two for the better part of all of our lives. But I forget like season one. I want to go back and re-listen and be like, we did. It feels like it was like a real quick blip. Um, I feel like season three is going to be a good time because they also clearly hadn't cast Peter Pan. Yes. At the time of this, they were just like, I don't know. We'll find him, I guess. Who knows? It's him. It's just him. Because clearly the the head lost boy probably auditioned for Peter Pan. And they're like, no, hon. No. Nah. No. No, 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 we'll no, keep, no. We'll keep you around, but no. No, you don't no. understand. We've got a big fish on the line. Um... So we can't have you, whoever you are. (laughs) All right. Well, we've got a lot to unpack in this episode. And I think it's best for us to uh, pick up where we left off in the old long, long ago uh, where Bellfire had been, you know, he had been taken to Neverland to save the darlings, his darling darlings. And he managed to escape and he found himself on Hook's ship. And I've got some things to talk about with this, Abby, but I want to, like, build up their rapport first before I go into how effed up it really is. Oh, this is, like, I had, so messed up. I had that crystallizing moment, too, of, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Yeah. What's happening here? Um, yeah, so basically, so he and Smee kind of have, Hook and Smee kind of have this, like, powwow about this strange child that they've brought aboard. And they're like, oh, I bet it belongs. It's one of his boys. It's one of his boys. They make such a point to just keep saying him as if the first person you think of 
when you say Neverland is not Peter Pan. Like, I don't know why that they were waiting for that big boom at the end. Like, it should have just been, like, the whole time we were talking about him, but maybe maybe that wouldn't have been effective. I just thought it was cheesy at the end. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, it's one of his, it's one of his. And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. That's uh, a great play, and I guess me, I don't know, I, whatever. And then he introduces himself. He's like, hey, what's your, who, you know, he's like, I hate pirates. A pirate killed my mom and, like, made my dad, who's a coward, kind of a jerk. And, like, Hook's, like, slowly putting all of this together. Like, wait a minute. I know. Hey, he- hey little little overshare. What's yeah. your deal? Whoa, 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 whoa. I just asked if you wanted some coffee. This is fine. Um, hmm. Lots, lots going on. But it was just, like, one of those, I mean, how many families have been torn apart by a pirate who then was killed, you know, she was killed and then. You know, I like that Rumple and the dark, you know, and Rumple Stillskin, Gold, whatever. The keyword is always coward. It's never any mm. other version of coward. It's always just like the moment they use the word coward, it's just it's it drops like a rock. So he says it too. He's just like my father's a coward. It's like oh, of course you're talking about the one and only Rumple Stillskin. Um, and he was like, oh no. You're, you're Mia's son. This is so, like, he just has this connection thing. And so he's just like, I can't give him to Peter Pan. I can't do it. He, like, wants to keep him as, like, a war. But he, like, kind of, like, I was kind of getting an idea that, like, he wanted to use him as bait for Rumple. Yeah. But I was getting, like, a weird, like, ma- like paternal vibe yes okay yes. cool oh thank no, god you I are... was like i was like i felt like i was reading way too much into it i'm like this is getting weird guys no he went full on surrogate father which in the context of this episode i think it makes sense where we are in the story let's ignore what happens to emma and Neil yes. later just put a pin in it for a moment so this is so you know hook loved mila he felt guilty for taking Mila away. And according to him, they were having the talks about coming to get him when he's older. Why didn't you tell him? I don't know. Because you're a pirate. Maybe you're lying out of your butt. I don't know. But, you know, he he hates Rumpel, loved Mila, and uh, sees this boy. And is like, this is the only piece left of this woman that I love. And clearly his father treats him terribly my father treated me terribly maybe I can do better and so I think like instinctually he sees Balefire as a way to like fill this hole it's not gonna work but I think that's what he thinks it will do because this show is all about broken daddies and broken (laughs) babies once upon a time daddy issues 101 um I was also kind of getting the idea like the impression I kind of got um was if if we do some context that doesn't get spoken into, into into fruition or anything, but that if they were talking about going back to get him, he didn't seem like he was saying that. Like he was saying that very hopefully. Like we were talking about one day coming to grab you, like to come get you, to save you from where you were at, like take you back so you could be with us. That kind of sounded like a guy who was down with being a stepdad. Mm-hmm. So you know, he lost her and then it was a, oh, this is that promise. I could fulfill this promise. Not even just like, yeah, because I get a little weird, like, like, and I know what you're saying when you're like, oh, this is the piece of the woman that I love. It starts getting like Harry Potter snapey to me and it freaks mm. me out. So like my brain kind of shut that part down, but I was like, maybe it's just like a, 
fulfilling a promise of being a good father, a strong dad. Like, I am a strong man who has a job and is not a coward. Because I like that that's like her entire MO and finding like, I have, I'm dating a coward or I'm married to a coward. So who am I going to, I am going to go and run away with a swashbuckling leap before I look kind of, I mean, that's the kind of rebound you make out of, out of a cowardly relationship. So. And this is also something we saw Neil do with Henry is that he, he has his own daddy issues. And the moment he came face to face with a son he'd never known, um, he's like, oh, I can be, I can be that person that my father wasn't for me. Oh, or in, yeah. Oh, that's like the whole, like even Emma says something, which we will talk about because it did not get the reaction I wanted it to, but like that I thought it deserved, but like. Emma also makes a comment about like, I don't want him to go through what I went through. Um, and so like, that's the whole theme of the episode, like the whole theme of like season two, like let's not let our children live out our lives while making them accidentally live out our lives. Yeah. Like you can't fight destiny guys. Like the more you fight it, the worse it's going to get. Uh, so yeah, so he's going to like, he like tries to do this like bonding moment of teaching him how to steer. <laughs> and it's just like, this is left. This is right. Do two notches to the left. You did it. You're amazing. You've got the C in your veins. <laughs> Poseidon himself is shook. Like, you control the Kraken with your veins. He's like, bro, I just turned the ship up, like, lazily listed it to the left. But sure, whatever. The pirate's life for me. <laughs> Yo-ho. Um, yeah, and it's nice. I know, we, I know we put a pin in it, but can we just take the pin off? Because oh, yeah. Because we, we, we have to acknowledge the the Kraken in the room is that hook is acting like a surrogate father to the boy who will one day father a child with the woman he later marries. This is a full on reverse Oedipal complex. He fell in love with the mother, tried to raise the son and then fell in love with the son's lover. Like it's, I think at one point, someone told me this on Twitter. I think at one point, Emma, like they're in the underworld and they all kind of come to this realization and they're like, oh my God, this is really messed up. And then they just let it go. But I can't let it go because when you go back and look at it with hindsight of what will happen, because Hook and Emma get married and they have a baby. Oh my, this is so weird. Oh no, this is like Full on, I like, I'm married to the person who babysat me, but like was really good friends with her. Boy. Like, it's a whole situation. Like, I love it because you put it a lot more succinct. Like, you put words to the way it is properly. I had a less couth way of describing it. I was like, it's got to be weird that he's like teaching the guy he will later cross swords with. <laughs> He is going to be, like, cuckolded by this person. Like, it's uh, 10 out of 10 hilarious to me. Um, yeah, it's... This is Once Upon a Time in a Nutshell. Like, just the screen grab of Balefire holding the steering wheel and Hook, like, telling him about it. And then we just, like, draw arrows and explain what happens. Like, this <laughs> one goes on to meet a woman who then he has a kid with, and then that guy shows up, that other guy dies. He's with her. Oh my God. This is the part where the family tree once upon a time and they stop casting anyone new and it just starts going in figure eights. It just, it, 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 it flights on fire and explodes. Your family, it's like that, it's that, uh, it's that one insult. It's like your family tree is a wreath. Um, 
because yeah, it's all very, it's all very like weird. Uh, but you know, it's fairy tale land. I mean, it's just, it's just how it is. I mean, they're royals too, so there's just a lot of. I mean, I, I guess. think we can we can forgive these things. It's a fictional story, and like, oh yeah, you know, no, people are like freaking out about Loki and Sylvie, and I'm just like, guys, they're fictional characters. They're not. It's not incest. Let's just well, let it go. Let's yeah. like, these this this technically while weird is not an incestuous dynamic. It's just what it is. Yeah, and and, and to be fair, again, like we're talking about this worth like raising hell about it. It's not actually weird. It's just weird mm. in the context of how our lives work because mm-hmm. this. If this happened, the the age gaps that that would make this happen in real life would be staggering. Uh, mm-hmm. But here it all like kind of pans out, I guess. Because um, yeah, nothing about this is particularly problematic. So it's just no, kind of funny. It's just kind of funny. Just, <laughs> it's just as I worded it in my text to you, it's banana waffles. Oh, one hundred percent banana is. waffles. Um, but I also think that this was a a, a, a clear indication or. They're hilarious. There's two things. One, they had no idea what was going to happen to either of these characters. I don't know if they had an end game for either of them. Uh, like I was, I I don't know if they knew. Like there was not a crystallizing moment of like this is where these two are going and or option two. They absolutely knew what they were doing and they were like, guys, we got to make this like scene where they're like father and son. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> looking back on it everyone's just gonna like all their skin's gonna just jump off their body um yeah they have a really nice time until but yeah until uh, um, what, what, what do you want to call this head do, we don't want to call it do we want to call him head boy or do we want to call him like emo kid because like the lost teens is is it's funny it's really funny you guys i it's also funny because of like the boys that they cast are not boys. They are teens, mid-range to late teens. Um it's only funny because of who Peter Pan ends up being. Uh I he's just and obviously it makes sense because Peter Pan doesn't get any older or anything like that, but it's just like mm-hmm. Peter Pan who is this young, fresh-faced, very young-looking, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed kid and he's like recruiting all of these just like i don't know abandoned 15 year olds who feel lost and it's just funny to me who it ends up being because i feel like he was also short was he also short no he was actually on the taller side oh quick note would you mind turning your camera off and on real quick um because you're you've been frozen forever with your head in your hands (laughs) There we go. Much better. Okay, cool. I made a note at 18. Or, oh. or we'll just keep it in. Whatever. It's all it's all jazz, baby. Yeah. Um, but you were just like, you were frozen like, I can't That's just Not my so entire feeling through the whole season. Just, uh, uh, uh. Um, yeah. Uh, it doesn't it go great. Like, the, the whole, like, wouldn't it be nice? And they're having a little montage of being father-son. Uh, nice moment. And then it stops being nice because Balefire learns the dirty truth. He um, learns or- the dirty truth because Hook is really bad at things. Like he just like leaves. I love how this his whole this whole segment opens with him just dramatically looking at the picture of Mila, drawn in the exact same style as the one we see at the end of the episode. Like they did the same artist, same art. I don't think I- they're linked. I think it was just someone had so, five minutes. So you you are of my age. Do you, oh, 
do you remember the things at the mall that would take your picture and like draw you? Yes. Do you remember? There I is do. still one at our local mall. And there's this girl with like short blonde hair and a beret. I think about her all the time. I want to know where she is. She is a, she has got to be 50 years old at this point. Like it's so hilarious to me. But anyway, that's what those reminded me of. Those like photo mm. booths where it was like, look, we are drawing you. And you're like, well, it's a drawing of me. And it's just like, it's a computer generated. The nineties were wild guys. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same, like, this is, like, weird, like, Neverland printing that they were doing. Um, and he's just like, yeah, you were the pirate that killed my mom. And then, listen, I love Colin O'Donoghue. I do. It's great. He's a great actor. He's done some amazing things. This scene was not great for me. It seemed very, like, forced, oddly. It, it felt like he, they wanted the the twist, but it didn't need to be there. So he was, he gave such a spin, like he gave this such a dramatic 180 for a scene that didn't need it or warrant it. Yeah, like this was just, it didn't match the right, like the energy of all whole thing. What I did think was funny, again, the actor who plays Balefire middling in his teens so whenever he would scream at hook his voice cracked like hell <laughs> yeah um and he was just like yeah you did it and he's like oh it's i understand but your father he lied to you and it's just like there's no way to prove literally any of this this poor kid has been nothing but lied to and abandoned I and then you know what i guess we're just gonna scar him further and be like you know what that's fine you can go back to wherever you came from because he's like yeah there's no way to get out of neverland you'll never be able to go back to the darlings it's over it's over emo sadness but i'll let you leave but then he just gives him to the 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 lost boys bait and switch see you later yeah and this I didn't understand the logistics of this at all because like the lost, what the lost teens were just like, what sitting next to the boat being like, you guys hooks about to admit that maybe he has the boy. If he has the boy, we can go on the boat. If he talks to this person and he says, it's not the boy, we're just not going to come on the boat. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like they're just like chilling there. Like on I, our I gotta imagine like, you know, they're, again, they're teens. They they suck. They're, like, parentless. They don't really have anybody going on. So, like, they came and searched the boat. Because I imagine all of this happened in the better part of, like, 45 minutes. Like, it was just like, anyway, uh, let's all be best friends. I'll teach you to steer the boat. This is a picture of my mother, you son of a bitch. Um, and, like, they had just, like, lowered themselves down. Like, they were ready to, like, <laughs> row back to land. And then they just, like, hear up at the distance. Like, they're just down there, like, with, like, clove cigarettes. Just like, anyway, where do we think we should look for the next guy? Like, what's going on? Oh, he's going to throw that kid out. We should take that kid. I bet it's the kid we're looking for. Why do they not all have this photo? By the way, like, we're just going to get to the end here. Why do they just not all have it? Just, like, there's just, like, one photo. Yeah, why don't why don't they give the photo to hook and be like if you see this boy you know who wants him because like peter pan is basically just kidnapping a bunch of boys because he is looking for the special boy how special is he we'll find out next season because it's a cliffhanger <laughs> uh and it's very true you should believe us <laughs> 
<laughs> in the heart of everything. Oh, in the heart. It will quite be. It is uh, true. Is it's factual. true. It's so true. Yeah. So they get Balefire and they like take him and they're just like, here it is. Like three different boys take a hold of him. Um, like here, take him to him. Okay, well here you take him. Do you think it's him? And they open it. No, it's not him. Like it's so dramatic. They get like hundreds of yards into the thing before they finally open the photo. Oh no, it's not him. I guess we'll just keep looking. So like other than the part where they just drop the name Peter Pan finally, it's so anticlimactic. Oh, he's not the one. I guess we'll keep looking. Like, those kids don't care. They're just like, oh, it's not him. All right, see you later. Yeah. Like, we yeah. see that it's Henry. The photo is Henry. And again, yeah. these are a bunch of, like, emo teens who are lonely and, according to Wendy Darling, cry themselves to sleep every night because they're lonely. If you're going to tell me that that island is not riddled with a bunch of people who draw really well <laughs> <laughs> and write endless poems and novels, I don't believe you. Uh, mm -hmm. like that's just how it would be. It's just how it would be. Anyway, it's Henry. They're he, Pan is looking for Henry. Um, the so end. Can I can I read you something? So I usually have the Wikipedia up just to kind of make sure I'm not missing any key moments when we're talking through it. Mm -hmm. And I have to read you this sentence from the Wikipedia because it's gross, and I don't oh. know who wrote it in here. Or why. So, yeah. right. Go for it. The drawing shows that Henry Mills is the individual sought by the shadow. They got him, but before conception and birth. <laughs> so it's like, they got the semen. They got the balls that would then later <laughs> produce the... What? They did what? it! They did it! Because <laughs> it was should accomplish. This is like a time travel error being like, well, we got the dad. I bet we could clone him and figure it out. What are you talking <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think they're just saying, like, oh, what a coincidence they got his dad. But if you think about it, by kidnapping him in a land where you can never grow up, they're, as long as he's there, they're ensuring that Henry Mills, their person of uh, of faith that is most certain, <laughs> with, a, with, a, with the cardiology of most certainty. I don't know why I'm... The cardiology of most certainty. Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> um, they're preventing him from being born. So I, good job, guys. I Like, again, all you have to say is it's funny they got his dad, but not him, LOL. But, like, even bringing in the word conception, like, I feel like that's supposed to be, like, a funny, kitschy, like, or a funny, like, you know, tongue-in-cheek thing to put in a wiki page. But it just, you're right. It sounds... It's an ass. Weird. It's like when... <laughs> Like, creepy dudes refer to women as females. You're just like, I mean, you're correct, but the way you're saying it yeah, upsets me. Uh, so, anyway, uh, Peter Pan, who has definitely been cast and was definitely in that scene. <laughs> uh, uh, the end. Hey, uh, that's Yay. where Balefire is now. <laughs> Bay, cool. Uh, meanwhile, over in Storybrooke, where meanwhile, a yeah. hell of a lot happens, um, we start with uh, attempted child murder. Uh, Rumpel comes into the scene. He's like, you know what? I think I'm going to kill a child today. A child on a swing. And poor, poor Henry, poor Jared Gilmore. Like th they do a weird shot, like for one second, like where it's like a tracking shot of him on the swing. I hate that shot it's so much. I hate it when directors do this shot. It upsets me every time. Yeah. I hate it. Um. Also, that wouldn't have killed him. 
It, it would have probably hurt him a lot. Yeah. But he would have no, had a nasty boo-boo. Uh, yeah. He was, oh, no, my elbow. Like, unless his, like, arm broke and then somehow pierced through his lung. I there, There's no way swinging on a tire swing and then just the rope cutting, especially from that distance. Like, he's cutting it up. This this is me being a nerd. Uh, but it, cutting from, like, the top top, like, he just hit. And he's in a tire. He'll bounce, most likely. Holy God. <laughs> like, I love that Granny gets up and leaves. What's happening? You're the worst guard ever. She did have her crossbow, though. Got a granny with a crossbow sighting. I just, if you're going to, like, guard him, you put your back to him and circle that way. You don't, like, face him and then I mean, just... She's, she's been out there for a couple hours. Jenna won't guess... get off the goddamn swing. She's no. tired. <laughs> no. If we're trying to protect Henry, he should be uh, locked up in some sort of thing. Like, anyway, it doesn't matter. Go uh, go into the bathroom, Henry. It's where you always, it's where we always send you. I just, I also like that Henry apparently didn't hear the fraying of the uh, rope. Or feel it. Or feel it. Because, yeah, it would definitely start making it not work the same way. Your momentum yeah. would shift. Yeah, but alas. Um, <laughs> he only learned how to bird, build birdhouses in school. He doesn't know things. He doesn't know things. But before a little um, grand grandchild aside can happen, um, Emma, Charmin, and Snow, they show up. Snow's got this jacket on that I love, and part of me feels like they're keeping her in this jacket because they're ending the season like in their same outfits going into Neverland. And I'm pretty sure Jennifer Goodwin was pregnant at this time, so yes. I think they like... They're like, okay, this is a nice loose outfit. We can keep her in it for a while. Yeah. And then we'll have her hold a big popcorn bowl anytime we do a wide <laughs> shot. Oh, I love hidden pregnancies so much. Um, yeah, they... If there was ever a tell that, like, this scene... Like, what happened to Neil... Like, and obviously this is revealed at the end of the episode, so I'm not spoiling anything. But if there was ever a point where you're just like, I don't think Neil's really dead. This wasn't as dramatic as it should have been for an actual character death. So, like, yeah. even if, even that I knew he was com- coming back. Like, usually those scenes are emotional. None of this was emotional. No. Not it was in the middle of the day in a park. Um, Rumple gets, he gets sad. He gets very sad. He, he shows a vulnerability, uh, which is, you know, nice to see because it's a vulnerability we haven't seen very often. I think last time we really got this, this level of um, sincerity from him was when he was pouring his heart out to Pinocchio thinking that Pinocchio was his son. Yeah. Um, Like not even when he was like actually confronting Bellfire, did he get this real? Um, (laughs) Of course it came right after I'm going to use magic to murder this baby. Uh, So it's just a little, little disjointed, but alas he, and they're like, okay, guy, all right, Rumple, we know your son's dead. We got to do stuff now. And he's just says, nah, no, I've decided dying would be fine. I'm cool. Okay. See ya. He's just like, I'm going to go. Bye. Um, and then meanwhile, you've got Tamara and Greg, cause they're still in the show. <sighs> Something tells me for not much longer. Uh, and Hook, they're traveling in the mines. They're, I don't know why. They all of a sudden decided that in the last episode and this one, Tamara and Greg were holy crusaders. Yeah. Like, it's not so much like they were talking very 
um, almost clinically before. It's like, you know, our boss, you know, we work for the home office. I 100% think that when they started that plot line, they didn't know where it was going. They no. didn't know what the home office was. And yeah, no, then none they figured of, out what none the of home that office. No, like not. And it's, I'm okay with where I think it ends up going in the beginning of like the next season. I don't know how long they're around. Um, but I just don't like her just walking around being like, our cause is true. We have the, we have the light of purity and all the, whatever shit she's spouting because it, it changes their dynamic and makes them almost like cultish. And I didn't, I didn't think it was needed. I yeah. liked it better when they were just all business. Yeah, I got the same vibe because it was like the culty vibe. Because yeah, last episode and before it was all very just like, you know, we're going to run this through HR. So much paperwork before we destroy it down and all of the magic, you know, like, oh yeah, it's, it's just, uh, we're like agents. Like we have jackets, we have a golf outing we do in the summer. Uh, but then it turns into like, we don't even know who our boss is, you know? <laughs> what he's like we don't need to know who our boss is what do you mean you don't need to know who your boss is like that doesn't make sense like there's no way to spin i don't know who i'm working for um in a way that makes it sound like a rational human being is talking yeah i mean there's no way greg do you have w-2s are you getting your vacation days or do you have medical insurance? If something happens in one of these many towns where you are trying to dispel magic, where do you go? Where you, I mean, where, where, where are you going to go? Where are you going to get help? Where's what's going to happen? What if you spill a, a hot coffee on yourself tomorrow instead of cold ice cream? Well, you spilled hot coffee. What if it was too hot? What if you needed to, what if you had to burn? And here's another thing about them. So, like, I, we get the reason why Greg hates magic and wants to destroy it. He has a personal vendetta. What's tomorrow's deal? Tomorrow doesn't, again, tomorrow doesn't know who the boss is. So I don't think she, I feel like she was like recruited from like a, by a middleman or something. But she's the one who's spouting all this. I know. Magic is unholy and unclean yeah. and we need to purify the salt of the earth. Why, Tamara? That Why is, is that the, something you want to do? Listen, that is the person that has been brainwashed by Facebook posts. Like she saw like <laughs> she saw one headline of a study she did not read and she is now radicalized. Uh, she that that is the exact vibe I got from her. Like she was she couldn't defend a single thing she stated. She would say it and Hook was like, well, OK, well, what about this? No. And she would just shut it down every single time. It's like, OK, because they won't explain it and they won't explain no. it because they don't know. <laughs> They're just being sent out to be weird magic assassins. Um, it's just like, again, you're right. Like Greg is doing this because Greg is just like, you killed my, you killed my dad. Like, so I'm going to make this town a crater. I, I get it. It's stupid, but I get it. Tomorrow's like, I killed a dragon magic guy with a teaser <laughs> and I am on a mission from God. Like, it's like, what are you talking about? And just, so they, they go to the mines. They have to use like. A dwarf pickaxe, I guess. Because that what that's what activates this. 
Who told you this, Tamara? How did you find this information from the boss? How does the boss know this? Because I think I know who the boss is, and I have no idea how he'd know this. I like the idea that it was just like, because again, this is this is the early to like late late early 2000s if that makes sense so it's just like she's on the phone they don't have video chat so she's like on the phone like she's on like a razor and she's like i don't know it's like a brown diamond oh it's a fail safe take a picture of your camera phone oh it only has one one pixel no it looks it's just that potato photo of just like what is this thing but i also like at no point do they they point out the error that they think that it's going to kill everybody and they think that they're going to die but that's not what's actually going to happen. Like they, they never address fine this. with it. They're fine to die. But everyone else is talking that no people who are born here will be fine. So like Henry would have been fine. And those two would have been fine unless they were born somewhere else. This is the part where uh, I can see the Facebook post now, Abby and Beth, this is literally season or episode one, of season three, where they explain that both Tamara and Greg were born in fa- Sugar Plum Fairyland, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, oh, jokes on us. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And, like, and if, so we got, like, what, suicide bombers now? Like, we have, this isn't, this is so weird to me. I, it's such a letdown. The, the show has had so many opportunities through season two to discuss the relationship between magic and science, most notably through Dr. Frankenstein. And when they introduced these people from outside who were like, we know about magic, magic sucks, and we can use science to dispel it with our science cuffs. Yeah, like math. There's math in this. I, I was really intrigued by this. I thought it was a really interesting premise. And then they turn it into a... Re- quasi-religious thing that I just have to say in post 9-11 yeah. is really weird to have religious zealotry with you know with essentially like we're willing to we're gonna die for our cause and we're gonna take all of you with us like listen no if no. you're gonna do commentary do commentary don't dance around it make it the thing Season two, and this is why everyone kind of uh, with season two, because season two is the what happens when it's part of the real world. Because it was funny when Emma came back, because Emma was just like, I am a normal human being uh, with magic white, like magic light powers. uh, And that's fine. (laughs) And that's fine. And that's fine. Like, we can get through that and we'll get through her bumbling around and whatever with the real world. And like, oh, yeah, here's Neil. He lives out here. But like, when we bring in the rest of the world. We don't do that for the rest of the show. Spoiler alert, everybody. We don't do that for the rest of the show. There's no point in which they have to be like... Because there's this whole really great moment where they could have pivoted the whole show. Like, that whole episode where Ruby's like, I can't turn into a wolf in front of this man. Like, I need... Like, this... We need to, like, zip it up if the general population is going to start coming in here. That's compelling. I don't care about this weird religious zealotry of trying to destroy magic. I like the idea of fairy tales trying to exist in the normal world and not be on the news. Uh, But they pivot off of that. And then after like season three just goes off the walls and we never talk to another normal person for the rest of the show. I guess maybe 
they found it less compelling from a writing perspective, which I understand. Um, I mean, you know, I, it almost sounds like undercover princess or something where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we just have to be secret. It was more interesting when they were when the secret was being kept from themselves rather than us against the world. I think it's more compelling storytelling. But for the storyteller, when you have a choice between that and um, evil Peter Pan ruling Neverworld and 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 sucking people down to the depths of hell, and then also Hades later on, like I get it. I like, get it. I get the like, choice. I mean, no, and I get it too because yeah, I mean, there's but they were just like right on the cusp of the whole like fairy tales with an edge explosion thing, like the fifteen Snow White movies that came out and. Little Red Riding Hood, later Robin Hood, you know, those whole things, those gritty reboots of fairy tales. Um, they were right on the cusp of that. And so it would have been interesting to see me like, oh, these are just normal people. But I like just, that's what I liked about season one. It's like, hey, these are just like all fairy tale characters and this is the dynamic that they have. And they stopped kind of having that dynamic. It stopped being that they were fairy tale characters a while ago. Yeah. We go back to that in season three, but this one we've barely had any like, and this is... This is the lesson Snow learned 4,000 years ago on the back of a horse. And here is how it relates to her murdering Cora. Because <laughs> that uh, happened this season. Dear God, did a lot of stuff happen. Yes. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah. So, they're like, okay, we're going to activate this diamond thing. It is going to destroy the town and presumably us along with it. Or that, well, maybe not. We'll see. TBD. But either way, we're kind of cool with it. And Regina, everyone is kind of fighting over what to do. Hook is like, I'm done with you guys. I draw the line at dying because I don't want to do that. I'm fine with literally everything else you had. As long as I don't die. So you want to kill me. No thanks. See you later. And he goes to Granny's and they're all just screaming at each what other. Scene. <laughs> I don't even, I, don't, I just want to like move past it because the scene was just the worst. There was... There was zero logic in anything anyone said and no one's mind should have been changed by anything that was said in there. Like every single thing in there was, I'll use your term, banana waffles. Like this was like supposed to be that compelling moment (laughs) where they all rose together and it was not. It wasn't that scene. And my favorite part is that Hook is the straight man in every single scene he's in on the show. (laughs) Like this episode, because he's like the one in the cave who's not a crazy zealot person who's just like, why do we have to die? Like, maybe let's put, like, maybe let's think about it for a second. Maybe let's calm down. Let's, let's not die for this cause. Like, I'm crazy, but whoa. And then in that scene, he's just like, yeah, but what if that doesn't work and then we all just die? Like, why don't we do the this option where we do this? <laughs> just like, no, we can't. We are heroes. It's like, are it, you? Because they're playing. Their plan is to take a magic bean, which Greg and Tamara have all of them, so they have to grab one back, and using it to, much like with the Wraith, open a portal to shove the diamond out. I have to a, where? That's my question. Where? My, as far as I can tell, the answer is the Enchanted Forest. And if it's the Enchanted Forest, you're dooming everybody. <laughs> literally uh, uh, maybe i don't know like because it's it is this fail safe only for displaced characters out of the enchanted forest or is it just for the enchanted forest because like 
Because Sorry. are you just sending a giant bomb that's like 20 million times worse than that than that spirit you sent through? I like the idea that it that's what it is. It's a displacement spell. So it's just like, okay, anyone that doesn't belong here will die. And then they're like, yeah, we'll just send it to the Enchanted Forest. What could go wrong? Princess Anna is like going to the Enchanted Forest looking for Charming. And then all of a sudden a bomb shows up and she's <laughs> obliterated from the face of the earth. Oh, and also, <laughs> guess who just showed up in the Enchanted Forest? Neil! <laughs> so oh he shows god. up and he's like, I'm Neil? alive, thank god. Boom. Neil's from the Enchanted Forest. Oh, wait, oh yeah, he'd be, he'd be fine. Yeah, so he's like fine. Emma is also, like, they also never really address the fact that Emma would die in this blast as well. Like, the blast will leave Henry the last man standing. Like, it would have been like him, Tamara, and Greg. Like, those were the last humans that would exist there. Everyone else was born in the Enchanted Forest. They yeah. at no point go, Henry will be a 10-year-old alone. Like, they're just like, sorry, kid, we're all about to die? But see, that doesn't matter because in the end, it, it the whole thing was designed to get Henry. So having all the, both the mothers out of the way is probably a bank error in their favor. That well, could be partially why they were wanting to do it. So that's my other question. They made a, I guess they, he does say that this was all just diversion Okay, I guess maybe he knew the whole time. Maybe he didn't know the whole time once he was there. I think that... I, 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 no, I, mean, I think the writers didn't know until this episode that this Listen, was, this I like, will also take that explanation. But yes, so they decide to go, and I have so many questions. So they they get, like, Hook has a bean, but then I thought Charming stole it from him, but then they take the bean pouch from Hook and then later find out that there's no bean in it. I could not track where that bean went <laughs> because literally, so they go in there like right in like the warehouse or wherever to track them down and they get a hold of a bean. And this whole scene is hilarious where it's just like, is it charming or was it hooked? It was just like, I'm going to go murder them. And it was just like, no brother stand to fight another day. We will go back victorious with our one bean. No, go shoot them. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you have guns. But I, I, I do want to know, apparently, um, uh, Hook, the actor who plays Hook, Colin, um, had just broken his leg. And he came back uh, for the, the, when he's, the scene where he's running through the cannery, like you can see he has a little bit of a limp because he had literally just come back from having a broken Boy, Colin leg. can't take a, catch a break. He broke his leg in the musical episode. He breaks his leg all the time. It's being a hard job. He, he is taking the showbiz good luck expression to another level. Um, yeah, no, I couldn't track the bean because I thought Charming stole it from him because he was like, no, let's go. And then he like grabs Hook's waist and pulls and runs. And I thought he took the bean. I thought he was like, no, you can't be trusted with the bean. I will take it. But uh, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Hook gets away with the bean. Yeah, but eventually it comes back. Uh, yeah. Things happen and it, it's better. So Regina's like, okay, I'm going to go slow down the, the, the destruction because I can't stop it. They, they make sure to mention this over and over again. Just remember this. They cannot stop the failsafe. They cannot stop the failsafe. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's Absolutely not, it's zero not, way. It's not I can't stop it. It's it cannot be stopped. That's mm -mm. two very different things. But she's like, maybe I can slow it down. And the she is going in knowing full well she's going to die. She Like, this is going to kill her. 
but she's doing it for Henry. She's doing it for, you know, to be a hero, to be a hero in his eyes. I, I like this. I appreciate this. It has a little bit of that uncomfortable connotation of dying as a martyr. Like, die, you don't have to die to prove yourself that you're a good person. And that's kind of a trope we see a little bit all too often. But alas, what are you going to do? I mean, Greg and Tamara, we're going to do it too. I know. Everyone's just going to do it. Why does everyone want to die to do the thing they want to do? <gasps> you can do back. it and Not live. Me. Hook's Hook. right. Hook's in the back. Not me. No, thanks. Uh, <laughs> no, no, good. I... I Listen, I also like the conversation between her and Emma. Like, if the... And I know that it's this ship has already sailed. Uh, the Swan Queen ship has already been built and is adrift. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this whole scene was... It was a good scene. It was a good, powerful scene. And it was just like, you know, let Henry know. You know, let him know I died a hero. It like, it's like the end of Armageddon. Gracie, I love you. Uh, but... I had to laugh when she started like surge powering it. And Emma's like, I was going to say something else, but now it's so loud. I would have to yell it. So I'm not going to say it. Uh, that would be weird. Um, yeah. I'm with you though, where it's just like, there's absolutely nothing we can do. Absolutely nothing. There's no way. It is unstoppable. It is a force to be reckoned with. I have created the most powerful killing nuclear bomb you've ever seen in your life. Maybe I can slow it down. <laughs> wait (laughs) but it's not even it's not even that it's that so she's slowing it down uh they fuck up they don't have the bean and they're like oh no things are going really bad and emma who's done magic like twice and not that good she's been fine she's like hey maybe if we do this together we'll stop it this and everyone's just like oh i haven't thought about if two people tried to stop it because we always assumed one but two i mean hook i mean rumple didn't want to help maybe that was why but there was you know there's the blue fairy wait yeah where's the blue fairy where's literally anybody a granny from the back shooting it with a crossbow because <laughs> i also like that the curse is not like a bomb it seems to be tendrils attacking the town um but yeah i liked and there is a line that they kind of they i don't know if it was meant to have a duality to it but like the 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 line before about a a dwarf the dwarves get said before regina says hers but she's just like let me die regina it's like you were regina before you're regina's the evil queen and just regina so whatever but you just sure you will let you die regina that's regina also sucked like i you yeah the the fact they didn't change her name when she became evil hindered that line specifically like it's fine for everything else but like let me die regina you were mayor regina and mayor regina sucked abby she's reclaiming it oh she's taking it back yeah she's taking it back she's taking it back uh yeah (laughs) but no don't worry emma definitely has control of her power and can definitely slow an unstoppable bomb thing uh, with no training and just kill it where it stands and she just does it and it's great the one thing i will say that was nice about this scene was um and i didn't actually i saw this in uh, a wiki note um she refers to snow and charming as mom and dad and it's actually the first time in the show she does that yeah and that's a big step so but it's 
in the same episode though, where she's just like, I want to stop this because I, you know, she, he just lost his dad. I don't want him to lose his mother too. I don't want him to go through what I went through, which is still an open wound. Like this is not healed for anybody because as much as they talk about it, they're like, no, we're totally over this immediately. Once it happened, like she's, I, Snow has just recently found out that like Pinocchio went with her because Geppetto was being selfish and that then Pinocchio abandoned her and she led a shitty life. Like that's all still stuff that like no amount of therapy can quite get you back to whole. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's a big, that's a big thing. Um, And so that doesn't even get like, much of a reaction like that should have hit snow right where she lives you know what i mean been like Absolutely. i could have been home with you i could have been here and grown up here or i could have been like a baby living here but you wanted to be heroes which is the same reason you're about to kill all of us because you just wanted to be heroes maybe let's think long term about people's feelings and trauma Anyway, that was the line I was upset about. One thing I feel like the show has only barely touched on, but hasn't done nearly enough, is explore Snow and Charming's trauma. Yes. Because they explore Emma's, rightfully so. Because she has experienced a lot. She has a lot of damage, and it's understandable. And she resents her parents for what they put her through. But at the same time, you know, Snow and Charming, you know, they they had to they had to give up their child. They had to, you know, she had literally just given birth, had just shut out the placenta and her child is taken away and she never sees her again. Like and now they have to grapple with the fact that they have missed her whole life. And there's a trauma there that they don't explore. It's no. like it's it's all about them having and, and their parents. So it's like, you know, their job to, to comfort Emma and be there for her. But in their moments by themselves, we don't see that vulnerability. We don't see those conversations. The only ones we've been seeing now are my heart got darkened. No. Oh shit. Well, I'm sad so, about that. So I've always really liked like Snow has a like from the beginning, I've always really liked Snow's character in general. Like they 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 start screwing it up here. It starts getting a little off the rails when they don't know what to do with her and charming as well. And, and I think it, it, it roots to, I came to, I came to the conclusion that it's just toxic positivity that they try to pull with her. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Like they do kind of broach the subject to her and David every once in a while. But whenever it does come up, the other one is just like, it's fine. She's fine now. Like, it's great. We'll just deal with what we've got in front of us. It's fine. It's fine. Let's just push through. And it's like, Guys, that's not, like, I'm fine if that's what it is in public. Like, that's the front they stand on. Like, this is the king and queen. This is the this is who you think the, le- the pillars and leaders of your community are. And they're like, no, we have to push through all this. But, like, at home, Snow cries. And Charming's upset. And, you know, just, like, dealing with those emotions. Because that's who you are in private. That's what a relationship is. A relationship is being different than when... You- and I, I don't see that. That's what's always mm-hmm. bugged me about Charming and Snow. Their relationship is lovely. I love it so much. But at a certain point, they stop being authentic with each other. Mm -hmm. And they become very tropey. So 
with that of not exploring that trauma, that's one of those things that fell through the cracks of just making them know it's fine. And she's so focused on her dark spot in her heart and is like, maybe it's not about the mom thing. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's an unexplored trauma. Whatever. We'll work through it. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Push through. Push through. Push it back. Push it down. That's what we do I mean, in the they- Midwest. We push it down and compartmentalize until we die. Well, they don't have time to uh, to linger on their feelings of any kind because they the moment that they realize they have saved the town and stopped the CGI branches curse, which that CGI was a choice and it was a bad one, uh, they realize that Henry has been kidnapped and he's been kidnapped by Greg and Tamara who lay down the big shocking reveal that all of this was a total... Just was pointless and a distraction. It was all for Henry. It was so they could take a bean and jump through <laughs> into a portal into another realm. And I will say Emma's freak out when Henry's taken away from her was really good. Mm-hmm. And and like that that broke my heart. Like her that was just that that just destroyed me. Yeah. Um and then, meanwhile, in Rumble oh, I was Shop. worried you were just going to try to ignore it. I was like, Beth, you can't ignore this storyline. You have to talk about it. I don't want to, though, but I will. I don't want to. Let's just just go into that, knowing that fact. I have no desire to talk about this scene. So I, I'm just going to let you know that, uh, like a day or two ago, Beth texted me. She's like, you know, say this this episode's wild. She goes. I said, ooh, during one of the scenes. And I'm like, what could you possibly have said, ooh, to? And I saw it coming a mile away when I started watching. I'm like, oh, I know what it is. Oh, I know what it is. I know exactly what's going on now. So, so Rumpel's chilling in his shop and he's got some visitors. Uh, They're dwarves and they're looting because Uh, Blue Fairy has come up with some magic and we're loving it. Uh, She has a blue goo that if you pour it into... A cup that has significance to the person. Uh, I guess the only reason uh, for this is because there's literally a cup for Rumple and Bell. So ugh, good job, writers. Uh, they're like, oh, you'll get your memories back. And I just love how Sneezy's like, I don't want them back because I'm gonna die. No, I no, I love no, that. So you're fine. So you want you <laughs> that so much. No, can I please die? I also like that that like they have just like kidnapped him. Like, yeah. he thinks he has, like, a family and, like, a wife and kids. Like, because obviously those don't exist. You know what I mean? Like, if he tried to show up for those wife and kids, they'd be like, what are you talking about? I am this fairy tale creature and those children don't actually exist or something. I don't know. But I like that he's just been, like, walking around with them being like, why are they doing this? I mean, they keep buying me food, so I guess I'll just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there. it was a, we want him to... You know, we want him to to wake up before he dies. Like, that's the whole conversation. Like, they say it, and then they say it to Belle, and then Regina's like, let me die, Regina, where it's all this very, like, let me die the right person. It's like, Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, dying altogether just sucks. So I, I get where everyone's coming from. Uh, and, but Lacey slash Belle isn't in the room. Uh, and as we all know, in Once Upon a Time, if you're not in the room, even if you're behind a curtain, you won't hear a goddamn thing. Especially with Grumpy talking. He speaks in such a small, small, tiny voice. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, he's by the way, subdued. what a, like, and I get it. I get that Lacey kind of, su- like, Lacey, not the greatest person compared to Bill. She's like, 
she's not supposed to be a good like we're not supposed to like her but like Romeo's like don't let her die Lacey and it's like okay she's not that bad like I okay I guess like I don't know they just rubbed me the wrong way to let her die Lacey I, I didn't feel like that was a dig on Lacey. I felt like that was more because Grumpy and Belle had a connection. I think he I was guess. saying, I want her to be Belle, not I don't want her to be Lacey. Okay. I, but I understand because there has been a lot of slut shaming of Lacey in all these episodes. <laughs> don't let her die a slut. <laughs> <laughs> don't let her die a skag maker, the woman I know. She's a woman that loves teacups. That woman does not love teacups. <laughs> And so he brings out the chipped teacup. Well, he doesn't want to at first. Reminder, he sucks at first. Because he's just like, no, I don't want to do it. And then she's like, oh, it's fine. And then she tries to clean up coffee with Balefire's Shaw thing. And then he flips out. He's like, you wouldn't understand. Oh, I need her to be here to understand why I'm sad. So now I will let her be Belle. That's the biggest problem I had with his choices. No, it's so it's all about him. None of it is about her. Because at the same time, he does not tell her what that liquid is. He pours it for her as if he's pouring both of them a blue drink. Like, as far as she's concerned, this is hypnotic. And and he's just made her a, you know, or, or like a blue Long Island iced tea or something. Like, he's she's got some, some, some blue liqueur. Listen, you can say whatever you want about Lacey. She's ride or die. Score, I'll drink it. <laughs> I'm in. But he doesn't. He's not honest with her. He's just like, here, no. drink this. Let's let's just toast. And then he doesn't drink it because he, obviously he doesn't need it. But yeah, you're right. It's that he's not doing it for her. He's doing it because of how she's impacting him. And then she wakes up and then immediately, and, and I was like, I remembered the last moments they had together weren't great. Nope. And she's got clear memory of what's happening right up until she drinks that uh, blue goo. The fact that she she didn't come out of this, like, she didn't wake up, realize she was Belle, and go, like, full Hermione Granger on Ron Weasley and just, like, sock him in the face. You son of a bitch. Like, that's the real reaction you're supposed to have. Like, you're, you're allowed to be mad. She should have been mad, but instead she just immediately went into caretaker mode. Which I didn't care for. Uh, no. No, it was Mickey Outies that looked gross and I hated it. And that's what I was sending you the ew about. Because the Mickey Outies were nasty. And he's like twice her age. And I was like, no, this is bad. And then they decide to go and rescue Henry. And maybe Neil. Although not because he's somewhere else. He's doing his own thing, guys. He's cool. Um... And they're going to go on the pirate ship and they're going to go to Neverland because apparently the way the beans work is that you you think about the bean area you love the most and it's going to take you there. So it's like, just think about, but there's like 10 people on this ship. What if they all think of different places? It's going to be bad. I, so first of all, I really do also enjoy that they brought out the globe thing and I, obviously they're in different lands i guess and so this wouldn't make sense on that globe but like rumple puts his blood on there i forget if there was like you were like supposed to think of the person because how wild would it have been be like oh there's actually two like if it would have been flickering between two been like oh yeah henry's here neil's here 
Neil's alive. Like it would just been a, they're here. Like that would have been one, a wild way to end the show. Um, but they don't. They're just like, oh, he's in Neverland. And uh, Regina, Regina Mills, 10 out of 10 on the boat. She immediately <laughs> wraps her arm and is just like, I will not be moving. Everyone else is like desperately trying to hang on to things. And she's like, I've done this before. Just wraps her arm in a rope and just stands strong. I think she's in heels. Like she's <laughs> a boss and uh, got the hair, the 2011 hair flip thing going on. But a boss holding on to the side of that thing. She's like, not today. I'm just fine. <laughs> And I just, I love how, how Belle's last scene this episode is, is Gold being like, leave her behind, but go, go to the widow's walk and watch me depart. And wait for me. Sunset, see if you can see my ship arrive, please. Oh, no. Like, I, again, this is a great adventure that Belle could have gone on. Mm-hmm. But we can't let Belle go on adventures. We have to leave her behind to be, nope, my, okay. So here's my favorite part. Rumble has a whole plan. Here, read these words. Do this thing. Make sure that the the town is cloaked. Charming and Snow just fucking bail. They do not leave anyone in charge. There is no, like, rank and file. It is just like, they're gone. See you later. Everyone's just like, hey, all of the main people that tell us what to do. Also, the entire police force has now left the town. <laughs> All of the guns, all of the guns have left. The only thing left is a crossbow being wielded by grannies. And uh, now there's no police. So if you don't like her lasagna and you tell her to her face, she will kill you. Because <laughs> who's going to stop her? No one. So yeah, so they decide they are going to Neverland because um, that is where Rumpel found Henry. And this is just a small little little nitpick, I will say. They did a really loud sound effect when... When Rumple put his finger on the the needle to like do the blood, and I hated it. It was so loud, and it grossed me the crap out. I think of you whenever I see scenes like that, where I'm just I like, mm, Beth had to have hated that. No, I didn't. I hate it every time. I also like that it opened with it's like, "This is uh, welcome to Once Upon a Time." It is rated V for violence. It's like, okay. And that is where the episode ends with our main hero, Sans Bell. Uh, heading through a portal into Neverland on Hook's ship. The special effects, while not the greatest, are still a lot of fun. And and I don't know about you, Abby, but I remember specifically watching this season finale and being hyped as hell. Oh. And being so mad we had to, I had to wait till next next season. Oh, I love this. I was like, oh shit, we're going to a third land. Like it was just this was amazing. Like this had, I remember the hype uh, similar. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I think I was at this time, at, I was at this point binging it on Netflix. So like, I didn't have to wait a full year, uh, but it was just like the hype. Cause I, I love that shot too. Like the CGI is not so great, but it was just like, you know, when they do the portals on land, it's just like a hole that you kind of fall into. But in the ocean, it's this big swirling vortex of doom. And they're all like, you know, Regina's got her arm latched to the side. And they're just like, oh, I just unplugged my headphones. Uh, it's wild uh, watching them go down. It had the same, if you'll remember us OG doing season five uh, when they went to Haiti. Hades. Yes. Uh, I blown away. Like, it was just like, this is so hype. I can't wait to see what, oh, like, same thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> 
Oh, it's this? Got it. But season finale and mid-season break, amazing. Yeah, the, I mean, they say what you will. I mean, this this season finale is a whole lot of mess. A whole heap of mess. The way that they close out this whole Greg Tamara storyline leaves so many questions unanswered because they decided to either change the story to be connected to this whole Henry Neverland thing. Was it the cardiology of uh, most certainty? Cardiology of most certainty, yes. Um. Or they just didn't know what it was and they just let it ride until they couldn't anymore. And then they've decided to give them a last minute purpose. My, my feeling is toward the former. I think that they changed it, which on its face isn't a bad thing if you want to take your show in a different direction than you originally anticipated. But all the... They had to do so much spackle on the walls to try and make any of this make sense. And none of it did. So, so here, this was me thinking about it. Cause I, I, I'm with you too. Like I loved, I loved how we got to where we were going. I think we could have done it without the Greg and Tamara thing mm. because all it needed to be, all they needed to be is that Pan somehow got a couple of his lost boys into Storybrooke because the curse just broke. Mm-hmm. Curse just broke. No one knows who anyone is. They get there, they make up some name, they're just some teenagers running around, no one knows whose kids are whose, who knows, these are just whatever, they were just wretches in the woods, who knows. They befriend Henry, best friends, best friends, and then they kidnap him and take him to Neverland. There's a there's a storyline that could be there. We could still do Greg's, you know, dad getting murdered by Regina, but not then him becoming like a crazy religious zealot guy, like... I don't know how you would close the loop on that one. I think you could still keep it to see like Regina was creepy and wanted a boy, wanted a kid. And this is how she learned it, I guess. But I do think that they could have just like taken out that the storyline of those two lunatics coming in and just dropped in lost boys. And, you know, uh, Henry's, you know, Henry's tiny rebellion phase starts early. Like that's how you get him out of scenes. He's out hanging out with the boys and no one's, None the wiser. Yeah, and they, I like this idea a lot. And Greg, instead of being what he was, you could have that same origin story that Regina killed his father and he was left, you know, trying to talk to anyone who would listen. Like, magic, magic's real, magic's here. Hey, guess who else believes in magic and and likes, you know, <laughs> I hate the way this sounds, likes young boys who don't have family <gasps> around yeah <gasps> dude that would have been rad yeah like if, if greg had been taken by peter pan and so then greg has he has this horrible hate relationship with magic he loathes it but he's also working for a very powerful magical being so then you can have greg kind of divided between this line where he's He's working for Pan, but also maybe trying to sabotage Regina where he can because of his personal vendetta. You have this whole, like, you know, Peter Pan gives Greg the the instructions. Your your focus is Henry. Don't let any of this distract you. And ultimately, Greg fails and he's punished for it. Because, oh, see, now I'm just trying to figure out how to make the storyline work. Because they knew that the curse was going to come. Like, mm-hmm. before it happened. So that would have just been, like, Pan would have just needed to know ahead of time, transport Greg, the lost boy of 
Greg in this alternate variant universe that we've created uh, to there before the, the curse broke or before the curse went. So then the curse goes, uh, little boy Greg is just like a lost boy in, in, uh, uh, on the East Coast, you know, in Storybrooke. And then he wakes up and he remembers his mission. His mission is to find this child. He doesn't know how, he doesn't know why, but he knows that it's there. Like Pan would have known, you know what I mean? Like Pan mm-hmm. would have known how to get them where they needed to be. Like do something like that because of who we know Pan ends up, who Pan is in the relation to the wreath of a family tree that we have. He just needed that extra power. He knew where to pull that person from. Yeah. So he just needed to put his chess piece in the right place. That would have been a wild revelation. Like just 4D chess that was happening. Uh, and then we just take Ethan Embry uh, completely out of the story. We just have a teenage boy. Instead. Yeah, and and get rid of Tamara as yeah. well. I mean, you can yes. you can have him engaged to have Neil engaged to another woman, and maybe just have a human story about this normal woman who is confronted with magic stuff and can't handle it and leaves. Yeah, um, and just mostly because my brain is working in overtime. I'm currently reading a book that is boring into my brain. Adding to the problematic area of this, us pulling the only like black woman out of the show, Greg could be a black character. Like I don't want to pull the only representation of st- in this story here. I don't want it oh, to seem yeah, like that. No, I don't yeah, want to be like this. Pull this one only black. Um, I hope that didn't seem how it came off. I'm overthinking. I think. Uh, but like, obviously, they needed more representation they, in 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 general in Once Upon a Time. Yeah, and that is and a the show line. does not do Tamara or Senequa any no, favors. Absolutely not. That was also like, I, this is getting off completely off topic, but like early 2000s and stuff where they just didn't know what to do with like black women's hair at all. Uh, I, and so it was just like, it's straight. <laughs> We're straining it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I will say they, they have improved that greatly in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, she has amazing hair. So anyway, guys, that was season two, episode 22 and straight on till morning. Henry is now in Neverland. Our heroes are heading to Neverland. Belle has been left behind. And Pinocchio is a boy and doing something. Imagine boy stuff. He's doing boy stuff, guys. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's just fine. He's just fine. Um, so we're probably going to save our, like, main conversation about season two for another episode. Uh, either we'll do one to kind of, we'll probably cut, uh, cut the cloth between seasons two and three, and then we'll kind of dive back in. Uh, we are also planning our next bonus episode for our patrons. So be on the lookout for that within the next, uh, within the next week. Um, and, but Abby, just overall quick synopsis. What grade would you give season two? Ooh. Um, there's so much. There's a lot that I like, but I'm also, I'm cursed with knowing too many things. So I feel like mm. I'm grading it on a curve <laughs> mm. without meaning to. I, B minus C plus. I mean, it's mm. not a not a nightmare. I think there's only one part of it that I really dislike. And we just talked about it. Like it's just a storyline that just ends up dying, which is just, a growing pain of a show, which I, mm-hmm. I get. I understand. Like, I'm just going to punch, punch at it all the time. But I, I get it. I get learning about what you want to do with, like, learning what your art piece is. I get it. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it could have been much worse. It was compelling in a lot of areas. I still got a lot of cool, you know, characters. It introduced Hook to us, which flawless, 
excellent. It also brought Cora. It also brought Cora, uh, a 10 out of 10 villain. Uh, and Rose McGowan as young Cora is still just an absolutely spectacular casting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, such a great episode. A lot of Regina's, like, Regina's uh, arc through this was clunky mm-hmm. at best. Uh, interesting to see where it ends up going. But season two wise, yeah, like, it wasn't bad. It, uh, compared to season one, like, if it was just a one to one, I mean, it would have been a D. Yeah. No, like, you can't I, you can't compare to season one. Season one was just no. super solid. No, season two is the absolute definition of a sophomore slump. Like, yes. it's just what it is. And we're going to be able to continue very soon. Luckily, we don't have to wait several months for season three. We will be able to hop right back into it. In the meantime, be sure to, uh, if you want to send us tweets or emails or comments to let us know what questions you have about season two you would, or things you would like us to discuss, uh, you can um, you can message us on Twitter at OUA Timing. I am at Beth Elderkin as well. I am at just underscore Abby. And of course, in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join our Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash group slash OUA Timing. We'll be looking for questions on there as well. And you can support us on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash OUA timing to get early access, bonus episodes, name in the credits. I'd love to name off some of those wonderful people who support us and continue to support us because you're all amazing. The names are over here. Oh, wait, they're over here. Where are my names? They're somewhere nearby. No, they're over here. I've got two computers and it's confusing. Okay, there we go. (laughs) I know, right? I just need to look up next. Uh, so I want to thank our Snow Queen patrons as Daisha Thompson, Lindsay Alice Halleck, Ryan Gergericos, Christina, Erica Farrow, Nicole Paul, Samantha Hosel, and the Salt in Our Stars. If you'd like to become Patreon as well, you know how to do that. And of course, you can always reach out to us if you have questions. We'll be back soon with our Season 2 recap episode and answering your wonderful questions. And then we will follow into Neverland, Abby. We're going there. Yeah, Neverland. We're going there. And I'm sure it's going to be really fun and, and happy it's times. It's fine. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. great. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, so thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next time. See you, Beth. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.